Welcome to the Opposable Thumbs podcast. Opposable Thumbs is a podcast where Taylor and Rob tackle a new creative challenge every two weeks and talk about our accomplishments, failures, and lessons learned. Our challenge this week is Dismantle Festo, Undoing Something with Purpose, given to us by Kelly Marie Martin. Yeah. Last episode. Great one. And yeah, it's yeah, somewhat paralyzing in my opinion. <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> but yeah. yeah. You're a, just, you're a punk no. rocker, dude. You're all about it. Yeah, I know. That, that that was the problem, I think. But uh, uh too anyway. important. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh my name is Rob Bray. I use the he his gender pronoun. Uh I host the Exoskeleton Art Space in Los Angeles and host very infrequent art openings and events there. And also run the Exoskeletal newsletter, which is a somewhat frequently sent email newsletter. And I'm a UX designer at the NASA Jet Propulsion Lab in Pasadena. That's gotta feel good to say. Does that feel good to say? Yes, it's it's uh, daunting. It's a new job for me, so mm-hmm. I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where the bathroom is. I don't know where the meeting rooms are. I don't you, know who to talk to. You know, it's you just don't like, know the ugh. culture yet. I, yeah, I'm getting a sense of the culture. I'm getting a lot of like nerd peacocking, which I like. <laughs> I mean, I'm the guy in all black day, so so I, I have I do my own nerd peacocking. But I thought you did silver as this, well. I I switched. I have purple shoes now. Whoa! I gave like I can't get the silver pumas that I used to really like even on eBay anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an eBay, what's it called? Alert setup. For mm-hmm. people who don't know about eBay alerts, they're pretty amazing. If you are like a what's the word like a cool not a cool hunter. I don't know if you're just obsessed with a certain thing that you can't get like through regular channels. eBay alerts are quite nice because you can like set like I have. I have a size ten silver puma shoe that i really like alert set up and so i get an email uh when they when that description comes up but they're often like slightly mishits which are you're like oh, oh, oh you get the email and you're like oh and you're like no <laughs> this is that like goofball pair that someone keeps posting yeah it's not quite the right thing you know but but it is it sometimes you do get a hit so it's worth it did you ever encounter anyway. that there's this kid i feel like he's like 12 but he has this giant youtube following where he restores shoes like the type that you're talking about that he finds in the garbage and sells them for a bunch of money oh i'm trying to i'm trying to find this kid as we're talking i can't remember what portal i found him through originally but anyway keep keep talking i'll see if i can find him oh yeah um i mean i have yeah so i've adopted a new shoe that i also can't get this is like why do I do this to myself? It's a purple Supra uh, Vader, mm-hmm. and it's um it's got light blue baby blue highlights, which I like a lot. Um, and I have a red pair. I don't know if are you familiar with the term? It's used in the hard disk land, but it's also used for myself in clothes. Which is one is none, two is one, and three is two. Maybe I'm I'm having trouble following. <laughs> so tell me more. Okay, so like if you have only one pair, like in my clothing land, if I only have one of the thing, it's the equivalent of having none of it because like once it's worn out, I don't have it anymore. Mm-hmm. So I have to have a backup pair. Oh right. But, yeah. But one backup pair is too scary to just like be like I've only got one backup pair. Yeah. But if you have two backup pairs, you're like that's a comfortable <laughs> amount of cushion. <laughs> so are you, are your parents? Uh... Part of the um, OG depression set, or is this just a rub thing? <laughs> no, it's just it's just a me thing. It's because when I find something that I like, 
like you know it, it when it ticks all the boxes like it fits nicely it's a cool look like you know like everything you're just like oh like this is a thing and it's not that i don't like change it's that it's just like oh i just this is this is like I don't know. I just maybe it is that I don't like change, <laughs> but like I'm just like, oh, I, that's the thing I like. Like I want to hang on to a couple of those. But um, it, but it's I not. But it's not just that you have a, a really articulated. No, like you can't enjoy one of a thing. And and it, could, yes. could could you say the what's the system again? Could you say the numerical thing? Oh yeah, yeah. One is none. Mm-hmm. Two is one. I think there's a, I think there's another thing to it, and three is two, but. It seems to me like three is one for you. Wait, are we talking about individual shoes, or is is a, a pair of shoes one? A pair of shoes is one, or like a t-shirt. Like if you have a t-shirt that you really like, one is like one is none. So two is one. That's it. Yeah, I think I'm I'm picking it up where you're laying down. Yeah, it just means like always have have a. Let me. So this must be one is none, two is one. Meaning. Okay. Okay. Here we go. The art of redundancy. Oh no! See, I've entered prepper land again. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were already there, man. They told you. To, they told you to get out. They did yell at me. I like having backups of stuff. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, Audrey, uh, my wife Audrey, has often gotten in my face and deservedly so because I like to use Republican turns of phrase. Because you know, like I mean, they oh. had, they have the shittiest graphic designers and like everything about them is terrible. But but the one thing they have is the <laughs> William Sapphires and all those, you know, dickheads who, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, yep. w- what was the jumping Jehoshaphats of Jiminy Cricket or whatever? What was what was the Nixon speechwriter thing that Sapphire did? Uh, it was all the alliterative uh, stuff. Uh, Are you remembering what I'm talking about? No. Oh man, this is another thing I'll have to Google while we're talking. But but yeah, like um like the whole thing with Rumsfeld and there the known knowns and the unknown or like the known unknowns yeah. and the unknown. That's amazing. I'm not going to cede that yeah. to the Republicans. That's language, man. That's mine. I'm taking that. <laughs> I think part of it is is for I, my, my impression of that. I don't know if it's true or not. I think a lot of like um, like the radical left. I think owns in some ways like popular culture, mm-hmm, you know. But I think like the Republican. Like they own like business speak and that yep. kind of stuff. Like they're in that world more, and so like I think language, to me, has sort of it's like tipped over to them because of the kind of um in the past decade or so. I feel like because of the kind of Tony Robbins style world we live in, you know, mm-hmm. um, and Donald Trump in a lot of ways, kind of you know. So did you just frame it as they own the liberals own popular culture? Because of course the like, conservatives own populism, so there's a really interesting potential overlap there, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think like if you if you were to like, I'm gonna pick what's your if you were gonna pick a political party that was like aligned with popular, more aligned with like pop culture. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think it would be. I mean, there's like Pepe and all that kind of stuff, but. Well, yeah, yeah, Pepe, and actually, that's something I want to talk about tonight uh, as we get into the uh, the reveals, but. Um, I feel like, well, like take memes, for example. So you could argue that memes are sort of the most fundamental youth and pop culture at the moment. I mean, if you take like um, American Family or I don't even know if I'm saying that right or what, you know, like whatever television shows are being produced, that's still 
to a certain segment of the population that's like the uh, deep state elite are producing that stuff. And then you take the memes, and memes, you could, you could really credit memes with being that last... I mean, that's the problem with the election, is anything that pushed the needle by 0.01%, yeah. you know, made the difference. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. you could totally yeah. say that that is a super conservative thing. I don't know. Have I convinced you? Yeah, I mean, I think part of the thing that has been weird about this whole past couple of years is because that... Inverted. What I just said has sort of been rattled a little bit. Right, you know, there you go. Where... Oh, wait, I just agreed with um. you. Sorry. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> and by the way, it was Spiro Agnew and Nattering Nabobs of Negativity. But yeah, this is also, this also relates to what I want to talk about today. It's like, it's oh, like cool. we plan these segues ahead of time. Do you want to read your bio and then uh, we'll, we'll kick off the challenge? Oh, yeah, bios. Uh, I'm Taylor Hokinson. I'm an artist, educator, DIY engineer, CNC evangelist, and uh, based out of Chicago. And I'm a he, his kind of guy. All right, let's do it. Okay, sure. So let me um, let me upload some stuff. Yeah, some stuffs for you. So I see uh, seven images, mm-hmm. starting with zero, and there is a um, drawing tablet. Mm-hmm. Looks like a what I think of as a a Wacom tablet or a Wacom tablet, depending mm-hmm. on how you pronounce it. Like, Cle- like Kleenex uh, or aspirin. Yes, it's a it's a black, flat, USB-style plug-in drawing tablet. Mm-hmm. And it says H-U-I-O-N, Huion. And then the next episode has like a historic painter vibe, painting vibe mm-hmm. with like a prancing stallion uh, caught in like mid, <clears throat> mid-stride, mid-leap. Uh, before the era of photography, and there was some sort of uh, uh, revolutionary war-looking person, but then it looks like Trump's head has been added in place of the head that was originally there, mm-hmm. and it looks like some other modifications, like there's a Make America Great hat again, which is my least favorite piece of clothing. <laughs> it's not even really a baseball hat. It's like this weird fake... It's like an... It's like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not a baseball cap. I mean, it's the shape of a baseball cap. Mm-hmm. But it's like a baseball cap you would get, and it probably has like that li- weird little rope on it. Anyway. <laughs> what, you mean the, the one separating the brim from the, uh, the cap? Yes, part? yes, exactly. <laughs> that weird little and it's rope. not even like a real rope. It's just like a weird little thing. It's a doodad. <laughs> yeah. And it's not, it like, baseball players don't wear that hat. Like, it's just like a weird hat. Anyway. That's there, sitting on top of the, like, you know what that's called? The the hat that's, like, a pointy on each side. Oh, the tricorner hat? That's it. And there's, like, he's wrapped in an American flag. That looks photoshopped. It looks like that part of the painting. Oh, just, just to give you a little tidbit, too, this is a pretty a pretty famous painting, Jacques-Louis uh, David. It's Napoleon crossing the something or other. Oh, okay. So then in the next photo, we have a picture of Taylor in what looks to be his kitchen swinging a pole. <laughs> like a piece of PVC pipe, but the pole, the pole like exits the field of view, so we're not sure what is there. It's a photo, so we we don't have any way of knowing. Um, but you're not making a theatrical face or anything. You're just sort of holding a pole outright at say, um, twenty twenty five degrees. Yeah, like in my kitchen. Um, in your kitchen, yeah, right, yeah. 
So you're not trying, it doesn't seem like you're trying to knock anything over, you're just sort of holding it. Okay, and then the next image, oh, oh, is a line drawing. Maybe it's done on this Wacom tablet. It's quite nice. It looks a little bit like those drawings. There's a lot of cross-hatching to do the shading, and it has a vague resemblance to... It's sort of like those Wall Street Journal portrait drawings that are kind of iconic meets like a New Yorker cartoon. It's like somewhere <laughs> in that kind of realm. Like the stipple portraits uh, are what they're called in the Wall Street Journal. Yes. But yeah, but but yes, but it's not stipple. It's um in in this case it's like cross what I think of as cross hatching, I think that's mm -hmm. the right word. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh. And that is based on the file name dtjr.jpg. So I assume that's Donald Trump Jr. Mm -hmm. And the next one is called Mooch.jpg. <laughs> Mooch. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. And then the next one is untitled. But I it's untitled.jpg. But it could be the um kind of scarecrowy looking woman who was a Trump person. <laughs> Killian Conway. Yes, yes. She has a very like pulled back skin look, like kind of fire mar fire marshal bill vibe. Um uh, was that an in living color reference? Yes, it was. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh and then the next one is a really weird drawing. Oh no, Photoshop is opening for me. That's okay. I can deal with it. So now there is uh what looks to be like a historic drawing, style drawing with Kellyanne Conway holding like a Grim Reaper scythe <laughs> on a horse. And then like maybe Jeff Sessions or someone <laughs> yeah, in the middle. Yeah, yeah that's it. With with a with a with a weed, like the iconic weed symbol. Like the seven leafed weed symbol. Mm-hmm. Uh and then like something in his arm holding actually, I'm not sure what that is. And then I think that's Steve Bannon holding a sword, like pointing the way forward on a horse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're all like riding together in formation. And and I'm I will say like I'm very horrified at this point, but also like awaiting the tattoo. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. It is it does lend itself to tattooing. <laughs> so that, that's my that's my break like kind of prison style tattooing, you know. Uh, yeah. So that's my breakdown of the seven images Taylor has posted for us uh -huh. this episode. That's all I got. Yeah, it's it's uh, you got as much as one could get out of that because it is it's not really showing a finished product yet. But but basically, um, I'm trying not to cheat too much, but I've revisited um, the CNC etching I was doing in an earlier episode. Um, oh yeah, right. And so I was I've been trying to sort of figure out what what etching is good for and how it meets up with my skills and so forth. And the, the funny realization I was having was that a, I think I've often been irritated by my peers or other artists making political work. Cause I, I often found it somehow easy. Like, Oh yeah, we can all agree that Trump is a total dickhead, you know? So like I'd always kind of shied away from that, but I think in doing so, I was avoiding something that I did actually care about. Um, mm. I, I remember assigning a stu some student projects 
both, you know, right while Trump was being elected, but also before. And I, and one of the things I often came back to in Photoshop, you know, you'd look through Hartfeld or whatever, and you'd talk about the history of photo montage and politics, and then you'd have them make some kind of statement, and I wouldn't really care what. Uh-huh. But then a lot of students would just say, well, I don't, I don't really care about anything. And so right, right. a big part of it would just be like, you do, you don't realize it. Like, just go, go figure it out what it is you care about. And even if you want to make some yeah. awful, you know, pro Gamergate image or whatever, well, like, go research it and, and make a good image, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm. And so, because, like, what, what student isn't opinionated? <laughs> I know. I mean, there's, well, yeah. they're simultaneously super opinionated, but also, I think, kind of terrified of planting a flag on an idea yeah. that would appear uncool or be challenged in some way. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Like so, just horribly unsure of themselves a lot. Yeah. Especially younger students. Oh, ab- absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think, you know, similarly with me, I, I've made a lot of conceptual art that doesn't necessarily, like it sort of holds itself at arm's length and says, you know, well, you put the content in. So I made the sledgehammer operated keyboard and it's like, well, I don't know what you're going to write on it. You figure it out, you know? Uh-huh. So part of my dismantle festo was to kind of attack two different parts of my practice that I feel like I go a little easy on myself. So one of them was yeah, like, that's cool. Yeah, like dive in on a political statement. I mean, every you know everyone in my peer group hates Trump with a passion, but go ahead and be specific about it and make you know make work about it. Uh, so that was mm-hmm. one thing, and then the other thing was. Um, I did a whole bunch of research trying to figure out this method for printmaking. So what's like what's uh etching what's interesting about etching? What's interesting about uh producing etching plates with a CNC machine? You know, what does that allow you to do? And sort of at a certain point you just gotta actually sit down and, and practice and just produce the product. So, you know, I finally got a Wacom knockoff tablet. And let me tell you, dude, this thing was like 69 bucks on Amazon and it changed my life. <laughs> like, it, like it showed up and I made three lines yeah. to it and I was like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, so, who, so, who makes it? Uh, this one's Huion or something like that. It's H-U-I-O-N. And it's just, it's like the Amazon yeah. suggestion for, it's like, you know, 20% the price of a Wacom tablet or something. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. And do you use Illustrator mostly, or how does that work? Yeah, so the the workflow I've been working on is um, I'm working in Illustrator, and then I just do a um, a, calligra- uh, a calligraphy brush, calligraphic brush that's just one point in diameter, so I get the thinnest line I can. Um, and everything's stroked at uh, 0.25, so I'm making these really thin lines. And then I go into Photoshop, so the really sort of clunky image you saw of Trump seated on a horse with the MAGA hat and all that. Um, uh-huh. You know, those are, like, I'm knocking together images, so I might get a picture of Jeff Sessions' face that I like, and then I get, you know, an upper torso I like, and I pose my own hand. Uh, so, for example, in the final image, you know, it's my hand instead of Bannon's hand, and then that way I can put a sword in it so I don't have to find a picture of Bannon, oh. you know, stretching at his arm in a particular way. Um, yeah, so it's been this really interesting, like I did a lot of work trying to figure out what that workflow looks like. So it's chopping stuff up in Photoshop, arranging it in Illustrator, and then starting to illustrate these line drawings. And then I've also been really practicing on what the hatching looks like. 
Um, but I need to figure out, you know, how big these plates need to be in order for the CNC resolution to actually capture all the mark making. So in the final image we're looking at, Kellyanne Conway's face has like, you know, a thousand marks on it. And in the image, it looks like it's about a quarter of an inch across. <laughs> so like clearly, potentially, I'm going to have to make this a really big copper plate in order to make sure that it comes through both in the CNC limitation and in the printing press limitation. So in the CNC, you're using like is it right to am I you're using like essentially like a needle point right to scratch the plate mm -hmm. for the CNC machine? Yeah, so there's a there's a steel tube that's half an inch in outer diameter, and that has a little spring loaded steel um, etching needle. There's I think it's called a burin or something. So okay. um, there's two ways to do the plate. You can dry point it where you're just literally scraping into the piece of copper. But then when you do that, it raises up burrs on the edge of the... Ah, um, uh, yeah. Okay. yeah. So that gives you that kind of fuzzy look, which we saw in a much earlier episode. And yep. so in this case, you're preparing the plate in this really traditional way and then melting what I think is effectively pine tar over the top of it. And then the, the burr end just comes in and just lightly scrapes away that tar, which acts as a resist for acid. So then once um, these lines have been scraped away with the CNC machine really precisely. And the main benefit here being that I can draw it over and over again and delete stuff. Whereas if you're doing an etching plate, if you screw something up, you have to go back and cover it with the pine tar again. And it's, you know, like you have to be really good at it. So this... When you say delete stuff, what do you, what do you mean? So say, for example, you're, you're drawing... I mean, the nice thing about the plate... So take woodcut, for example. So one of the big uh -huh. problems with woodcut there's a technical problem where if your line is thin enough, that means that the piece of wood that's going to hold the ink has to be super thin and it's likely to break in the printing process, right? Yeah, so that's like yeah. a one of those limitations that just goes back to the like physics of the material. Yeah, but, okay. But then what you've also got is just, as an artist, you have to sit down and you have to make your whole drawing in negative. So if you have to, you have to take away yes, all the okay. white stuff and leave all the dark stuff, yeah. right? You're sort of you're carving into what's going to be white, mm -hmm. exactly. and what you leave uncarved is going to be where the ink goes, so then it's black. Yeah, because right. those are the high spots, right? Okay. Yeah. And so right. with okay. the with the etching process, the nice thing is you take this copper plate and you cover it 100% with a resist, and then as you effectively draw wow. on it with a needle, you are removing material, but it's not quite the same as wood cutting because there's so little material being removed. It's just the natural act of the, what effectively feels like a pen in your hand. And then uh -huh. the stuff that you remove is going to be eaten away by acid and then the ink will fall into those low spots. So in copper plate, ink stays in the low spots, whereas in woodcut, ink stays in the high spots. Oh, okay, mm -hmm. cool. And so that means that, that yeah, so with etching, you're drawing... Making a little swimming pool for the ink when yep. you scratch it. Mm -hmm. Got it, okay. And so, so you're drawing what you want as opposed to drawing what you don't want, which is arguably oh, what yeah. woodcut is. Um, uh -huh. Yeah, so like trying to research all that stuff and then figure out, you know, is it interesting that this is happening on the computer? And I think right now... I'm trying to get away from that conceptual thing, which is like, I'm not talking about the computer at all in this process. Uh -huh. It's just uh -huh. for me, you know, I mean, I haven't spent the last five years, like, you know, 
um, interning with somebody to actually be really good at this. <laughs> so I, th right. I think I'll be able to get a pretty good result using what I know how to do my comfort area on the computer. And then later, you know, I might bring in more of the uh, kind of computery stuff. So, so I was trying to, you know, come up with a research intensive thing. I figure out how to do it and then not just to run away from that, but to actually knuckle down and make some, you know, some like beautiful images right which i'm i'm yeah, usually yeah. allergic to yeah uh -huh. <laughs> so yeah so, so can we I, I i'm curious about this last image mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah what do you want to know <laughs> <laughs> so there's kellyanne conway with a with a grim reaper sight uh, yeah sight yeah mm -hmm. and then there's jeff sessions who is it's a really great picture of Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a weed oh yeah yeah right because he's he's sort of the anti he's the anti-weed guy in right. a way what else is he holding in his other in his hand so he's holding the uh scales of justice oh um, that's right i just enlarged it okay yes yeah, so, so this okay. so this is basically just a um so if you look at another thing that's cool to research about all the old people that were doing reproducible media, so non-painting stuff, basically, is, I mean, a lot of the time they're just trying to do things that'll sell. And so one of the things that'll yeah. sell the most is these biblical themes, at least in the, you know, Eurocentric circles. And so, yeah. so this is a classic, I don't have the fourth horseman there yet, but it's the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Oh. Um, and so researching yeah. it. Uh, basically, you have, so what is it? You have this like book or a scroll that God has with seven seals on it. And I think that's where the, the movie The Seventh Seal gets its title. Okay. Uh, and okay. the Lamb of God, which I like to imagine is an actual lamb, but I think in this case it's just Jesus, opens the oh. first four seals, and each of those seals produces a horseman. So there's a white, red, and black, or white, red black and a pale horse which i just assume is white but i don't know uh and then depending on who you whose interpretation you go with they mean different things so it's like war famine pestilence and conquest i think are the four and they each have a color and so forth so so the, the ultimate goal of this is to have these really fleshed out where they'll be really volumetric but for right now they're just kind of contour lines as i as i get it set up so yeah. the the interesting thing to me, so for example, like at first I was thinking that pestilence would be Pepe the Frog, <laughs> uh -huh. but then um, pestilence is, or wait, no, 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 famine is represented by scales, and the reason for that is that let me find the quote here. So I'm looking at this website called uh, the Public Domain Review dot org, which I think would really okay. interest you hey. for sure. Um, yeah, all right. So, so the lamb opens the third seal. I heard the third living creature say, "Come and see." And I looked before me a black horse, its rider holding a pair of scales. And then uh, I heard what sounded like a voice say, "A quart of wheat for a day's wages, and three quarts of barley for a day's wages, and do not damage the oil and wine." So I would really need to dig into this. I mean, I'm not a religious person. I don't subscribe to, you know, Western religion or any religion, but you can't deny that we, mm -hmm. we live in a culture that looks to that stuff a lot. Sure. Yeah, um, totally. 
So I thought it was really interesting that, you know, and, and this goes back to the whole thing with like kicking out the money lenders and so forth, but basically they're trashing the merchant class for saying that, you know, uh-huh. food that you need to feed your family costs this much and hey, be careful you don't screw up my product. You know what I mean? So uh-huh. Uh-huh. so I, I just love that sort of look at, um. so here the scales were the representation of somebody thinking about money when they should be thinking about sustenance. But then you've also got Sessions and his whole classic Republican, like, you know, weed is a, like, drug use is a moral failure. Let's make sure that people on food stamps can't buy things they enjoy or whatever. So so it gets kind of muddy, but I like how it gets muddy. You know, so I can, like, uh-huh. and with this method, I mean, I can just pose in my kitchen and, and like, you know, if I want to put a saber in Bannon's hand and, like, maybe he should be wearing a Confederate, you know, that little slouchy hat. Um, uh-huh. And you could, uh-huh. like, you could really go anywhere with it. I mean, Kellyanne Conway, the way I started to illustrate her, her flowing hair starts to look kind of like a, a, a habit, like a robed, uh, a hood for a robe. Whoa. Um, uh-huh. which which fits in with the, the scythe and so on. So I'm just really enjoying it. But it's also really intimidating because it's not like, oh, here's this you know intellectual contrivance that I was thinking about and the execution doesn't matter because it's conceptual art. Like now I've got to sit down and actually do it and that's very intimidating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, that's like, like the world of symbolism and yeah. stuff too, which is yeah, yeah. so it's such a rich part of art history that, I think most artists, at least my, don't don't think about too much, you know, uh-huh. or think about in a sort of new, uh, or sort of reinterpret maybe, but don't sort of dig into on its face or something. Yeah, yeah. Sure. I, so I have a question for you. So there's a photo of you holding a PVC pipe. Yeah. <clears throat> and so did you take the photo of you holding the PVC pipe? And I understand now that the photo of Steve Bannon holding this the scimitar the sword is the same pose is that right mm-hmm. and you used the photo of yourself as a kind of visual guide to create to draw the photo of steve bannon is that how those two came together yeah so basically so i'm going online and i'm, I'm still trying to figure out the the extent to which i'm changing something and whether you know i'm allowed to do this or not <laughs> but as far as i can tell <laughs> It's pretty transformative because you can like generally the photos that they have online that's that, you know, they want you to buy a copy of it. They'll have watermarks all over them. But in this particular case, everything is being brought together and sort of unified by transposing it into a different representational system, like a different visual language. Uh So the great thing Uh about it is you can. So, yeah, like I was sitting at my desk and then I just grabbed a suit coat and put it on and then grabbed whatever, you know, rod like thing I could find. And I, I, I could, could spend very little time setting that up. And then these things just get chunked into illustrator. Um, and it doesn't really matter what they look like because they just get laid over the top of each other as long as the proportions are correct. And then I just take care of all of the, um, all of the transitions between each thing. You know, the, like stitching them together. Yeah, they effectively yeah. go away. So I, I could certainly make this image in Photoshop too. Like I have that technical ability, but I thought it was uh-huh. much more interesting to have to, you know, like if you're going to reference the Bible, for example, I want to yeah. go ahead and use another representational method that also feels historical and has weight. 
Yeah, 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 totally, yeah. So, and how, how did you get the horses? I mean, they're just different pictures of, you know, I, I had an idea in my head <laughs> in terms of composition uh-huh. that they'd be uh-huh. sort of fanned out. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's tough because you're... They look great. Oh, thanks. The, um, like, finding the angles and riders and yes. then trying to figure out, like, all the pictures of riders, you know, none of them are fat enough for Steve Bannon, so you got to just, like, make up the belly. Uh-huh. And I really uh-huh. want to get Steve Bannon's, you know, 14 nested polo um, shirts in there. Yeah. <laughs> yep. yep. Yeah, so just figuring out yep. how hard to push that stuff and, like, how important it is that they look, you know, sort of photo representationally accurate or can I yeah. be kind of loose with it? And then the last one's going to be the big trick. So so what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to have Donald Trump on all fours with Putin riding him, and that'll be the fourth horseman. <laughs> but uh, it might be like Donald riding a horse backwards while tweeting or something. But I mean, the, the thing that I'm really digging about it is you could just, it could just really be anything. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then the, yeah. and I think I was, I was kind of inspired. I think there was some Terry Gross maybe a month ago or less where she was talking to the son of the guy who illustrated um, Prince Valiant for like a billion years. Um, yes, I listened to that episode. It's really good. Yeah, so they're talking to this guy, son of the guy who did Prince Valiant. And so I, I think the son, right, correct me if I'm wrong, but he started writing. And then he got to work with his dad for a long time. And his dad just had all these props in the basement or something in a Polaroid camera. So every time, yeah, because there were quite a few figures in every single episode. Uh, so yep. he would just put on, you know, a robe and then make these different poses and, and take photographs. So this, this fellow has like, you know, thousands and thousands of pictures of his dad, like mugging for the camera and stuff, which sounded kind of cool. Yeah. You, you kind of forget that like somebody, I think also comic book artists themselves feel like are so heavily caricatured by themselves. Right. I feel like I have a really good understanding of what their life is like. Like you get through Chris Ware or someone like, <laughs> um, you know, like people, like there's a lot of comic book artists now who draw themselves in sure. a weird kind of way. Yeah. Or like Ivan Bernetti, who's really good at that. Or explicitly, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but like the guy who did Prince Valiant was so invested. Like it was really like a huge part of his life. And that he was such so like elaborately into it. It just was it was pretty refreshing really just to hear like how into it the guy was. Mm-hmm. When like it's a it's a it's a comic that's sort of out of my time, you know, so I don't really kind of understand it, you know. Um other than like it seemed like a bunch of adventure stories or something. But uh yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I had a question, Terry Gross, for a long time. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she, uh, she's like very smart, very funny, uh, and like can put the screws down on somebody without them even kind of knowing that she's doing it. Yeah, Gene you know? Simmons, I like. Uh, yep. Yeah, there's some classics. Lots of people. I do. I do yeah. feel like more lately, she. Um, I feel like she's not as incisive as she used to be. But yeah, that's a long yeah. time. To I, do I, I don't know. If, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think also. I, I remember just hearing from like how much prep it was. Yeah. And you're just like, oh my god, you know, like, like, sure. She's like, well, I try to read three or four books, and then I have my researchers. Like, you're just like, oh my gosh, yeah. like, at some point, you have to maybe just be like, well, I'm going to rely on other people to kind of sketch it out for me. Oh yeah, just, I bet there's some I don't know, of that for I, sure. I, you know, yeah, she gets a big pass in my book. She's done, she's 
She's busted her ass for a long time. Terry, <laughs> Terry, we'd love to have you on. Just let us know. Uh, Rob, we gotta check. Yes. It. We gotta check out your project. What do you say? Let's do it. Unless there's yeah. anything else you wanted to say. <clears throat> no, no, I have the zip file for you. Okay, so uh, Rub is using a very satisfying font. What's that font called, Rub? I'm digging that. The, the oh, title font. Is, the title font is um, Norwester. It's the font I selected for my style guide uh, in our pretty satisfying our episode uh, twenty twenty three. I think it has both sharp edges and round edges, but it yes, balances that's them what well. I like about it. Yeah. So it, yeah. the title page says. Uh, tools for taking things apart and it's sort of uh, looks like it'll be a publication of some kind a dismantle festa by rob ray and yep. let's take a peek uh ah, interesting you've got sort of the uh i recognize these branded colors um dark pink yes. and uh cyan yes uh, i associate those with maker fair what do you associate them with oh Dang it, that's true. <laughs> oh, those are the colors I picked in my style guide, but when they stand alone on a white background, they look dead like Make Magazine. Hey, listen, oh dude. God. Listen, dude. If I'm not going to let them have uh, known knowns and unknown knowns, and then Make Magazine <laughs> be damned. Yeah. Um, you know, we never did get to talk about that interesting fracas where uh, there was the Chinese maker who works in body modification and then there was this whole thing about how all the white boys didn't believe that she uh, was right. making her own stuff we should talk about that in another yeah. episode but, but i think i think now she's yeah. on the cover yeah. of make magazine as the way to make it up to yeah, her. yeah they they issued a yeah a good a, yeah there was a big apology issued and like what i thought was cool was there was more than an apology issued there was like we want to do an interview with you. like yeah, there was money where the mouth is that's definitely a, a real attempt to make good yeah which i thought was good I mean, it's tragic that the whole thing had to happen, but I thought it was like, okay, like there was definitely some like thought put into like, we're not just going to say like, oh, sorry, we were giant assholes. Mm -hmm. There was an attempt to do something good. Yeah, we'll have to, um, we'll have to link out to that discussion. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see sort of how that unfolds as, as things go on. So, um, yeah, so we have our, our thank you page. I make an appearance there. Oh, I wouldn't have it any other way. You do. And uh, Jen and <laughs> Kelly Marie. Uh, let's see here. So, uh, and also a call to add a tool to this manifesto. Interesting. Yes. All right. So it looks like uh, I'm just sort of scrolling a couple pages in so I get a hand of it. No, you've done a yep. really nice job in unifying the piece. So there's now a, a repeated theme where we get a... Um, an image, a background image that has a really healthy gutter in white all the way around the sides. Yes. And then you appear yep. to be photographing uh, a self-healing cutting board or something like that. Not in the yep. classic hunter green, but a, a beige. Uh, so there's yep. like a line of, a set of grid lines in the background. And then you name a simple, a simple tool that's useful in the uh, dismantling game and then talk about it a little bit so it's photographed uh and then here you would say for example uh, the safety razor around since 1880 good for dismantling hair 
but also good for other things as well. Uh, you talk about the claw hammer, the headlamp, safety glasses, and so forth. I find your uh, decision interesting to, it looks like the description text is always that dark pink. You're alternating yes. black and cyan on the, um, That's right. on the title. Uh, yep. And I'm kind of going back and forth here because I certainly wanted to, wouldn't want to just read everything out. Yeah, but you um, yeah, you can feel free to pick one or two. It's quite long. It's maybe uh, fifteen or twenty pages. Yeah. Um, so, for example, here you say with your aviation snips, which I often think of as just tin snips, really great for cutting sheet metal about eighteen gauge or at least maximum. Uh, sheet metal is ornery, so there are three different types of snips. The yellow-handled ones cut straight, green-handled cut to the right, and the red-handled cut to the left, or counter and clockwise, depending. And I never knew that. So I learned something right here, either. right now. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, the multimeter is a confusing tool. There's too many options on the dial. Maybe start by measuring the voltage in old batteries and go from there. Yes, I have a good multimeter story, actually. Uh, oh, nice. So I had this little sort of mini grad class I taught intro to the Arduino, and I was trying to teach them multimeter reading. And um, if you buy a cheap multimeter or an expensive one, generally they're all going to have three ports at the bottom, Right. So you only get yeah. two wires coming out of a multimeter. Perhaps you know where I'm going with this. And uh, it's interesting, too. The multimeter you show, the hot wire is actually brown. What is that thing, like 50 years old or something? <laughs> I've never oh, seen no, it. It's red. Oh, it's just I... I um, oh, it's just color correction. I like... Yeah, I, I color corrected to a very light shade so the text would show up lighter. Uh, so, like, the red's are really washed out looking. Got it, got it, got it. Okay, that was, uh, yeah. that was just me. So um, I was showing a class how to take a, a reading straight off the mains on an extension cord. And, uh -huh, and when I would uh -huh. plug it in, it wasn't working. Um, and I couldn't figure out, oh, no, it wasn't working on like a, uh, a little 12-volt wall ward or something, which is quite safe to test on. So I thought, oh, I'll just yeah. test the mains and try to figure out what's going on here. Well, somebody had flopped the um, wires around, and then the multimeter was so cheap that it did not have um, fuses in between any of its uh, poles. Oh, <laughs> and so, whoa. So I plugged it in, and basically I just, with my hand, I shorted the, um, uh, <laughs> the mains at this uh, extension cord, and it went, crap, like it made this huge blast of uh, sound and uh, like ozone and i was doing this you know for this table of like six grad students so they're all you know 18 inches away from me and i totally burned this huge black spot onto a couple of my fingers <laughs> rob <laughs> i've never heard you laugh that hard man <laughs> Yeah, like in class, like which is the most like stressful thing ever. Oh yeah, just like right in front. <laughs> Even of... when it's not stressful, it's stressful. <laughs> well, so there's. Have you seen this classic GIF where uh, there's this guy oh, at the man. gun range and someone's teaching him how to shoot, and the teacher is talking and exercising poor trigger <laughs> discipline, and he just shoots this giant pistol. Fortunately, down range, but it like the barrel strikes him right in the nose, and he just keeps talking like nothing happened. Um. 
I'm gonna have to post that as well. <laughs> Dude, that's like that's like a teaching nightmare. I've only like adjunct taught for a few semesters, but like even when you're like, I've really got my shit together, like it's gonna go really well. Like you still have to, you're still kind of like always on edge. Like, and you've taught for a super long time, so I imagine it's just not that stressful for you. But like that sort of thing happening is just like it like literally blew up in your face. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> And yeah, and I was trying to talk afterwards. I mean, you know, no, it's, I, I think it's stressful just to the extent that, you know, because you don't want them to feel like, oh, I never want to touch electricity again. And so, so basically how I dealt with it was I tried to keep talking and I was like, you know what? We all know that happened. I'm going to go take a break for a minute. We'll come back and we'll yeah. talk about it. And then, and then I went home that night I thought, like, why the fuck did that happen? And I and I did some research, and I realized, oh, you know, that we have the cheapest possible multimeter, and somebody had yeah. switched it from voltage sensing to amperage sensing or something. I, like, I can't remember exactly what it was. Um, yeah. But yeah, so, yeah. so I did a big blog post about it. I can actually put the link on, so it's still up on my website. Oh, yeah, cool. And then when my students came to class the next week, I said, okay. Or maybe I emailed him and I said, you know, I did some research. This is where the problem came from and you can read the whole thing. And so I, I felt like it was handled as well as possible. But yeah, there's no doubt that it was embarrassing because, you know, supposedly you're there because you know what you're doing. Now, let me tell you, now I check the wires every time. <laughs> I bet. I bet you do. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like one of those stories that's good, too, because you're just like, hmm, I'm going to check from now on. Like, yep. you know, it really sort of underscores the point. For sure. So the, so the dismantle festo, yeah, I, 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 uh, when Taylor and I were getting set up, we were talking a little bit about it, just like, we didn't say what we made, but I had said that it was challenging for me, this, this one. Um, and Taylor, I think you said like, it was too, too, it felt too important or something for you. I forget now what you said, but, sure. mm-hmm. uh, that like the challenge itself, like I took it really to heart and I did. And after I was like, uh, uh, and I got like, hmm. what's funny is, is, I mean, no, nobody, nobody can say that I don't have a giant heaping pile of crap that always sort of follows me around in my life. Mm-hmm. And I do. And, and, and I dug through that pile for many days trying to figure out what might be a good thing to dismantle. Sure. And I just kept being like, dang it, I can't, that's not the right thing. So then I went to the thrift store and then I went to another thrift store <laughs> and, um, and then I went to target. Cause I was like, maybe there's some toy or something that would be really interesting to take apart. Like, and that didn't, that wasn't any good. That's and the so Festo just, problem. And then I was like, yes, it's the Festo problem. Yeah. Like what, what? Yeah, exactly. And so, and so then I was like, you know, I think what's more interesting is to talk about dismantling, you know, like, and like what, what is, I mean, I think it's a thing that is daunting for many people uh, if they don't have experience doing it. Uh-huh. But if you think about the very small amount of things it would take to take something apart, and just sort of enjoy taking it apart and, and feeling good about it. It's not that many tools. Like you could get probably every tool in my list in total for a hundred dollars. And that's, that's, you could probably even do it for like 50, uh-huh. you know? Um, and like 
what is a tool that takes a thing apart or sort of critical to the taking apart experience? Um, and I missed some things. Like there's some things that could be in here for sure. Like a soldering iron probably should be in here and it isn't. But um, and it, then it was really fun to look through different tools that I have and be like, is this a dismantlement tool or is this a putting together tool? Because uh -huh. like a sewing machine to me is a, is a tool that you use to put things together or a needle and thread. But then like a seam ripper is a dismantlement tool. Uh -huh. And so then I got really into categorizing the tools that I have, thinking about like what is a tool that takes things apart and what is a tool that puts things together. And then, you know, some of them go both ways, right? Like a crescent wrench, you turn it one way and it takes things apart. You turn it the other way and it puts a thing together. You know, so that was really fun to think about those two and kind of figure out like what what is what. And then like markers I added because I got to thinking about markers. I was like, markers are a reference tool. But then I was like looking at, I was just kind of looking at markers online and I was like, oh yeah, like surgeons really have to mark where they're going to cut because of lawsuits, but also just because like it really happens that they'll, they'll cut the wrong side. Like they're meant to take out the left kidney and they take out the right kidney uh -huh. um, and stuff. So now that they'll sign where they're going to cut and like, or like the, they'll make the cut with the patient. They'll make the mark with a marker with the patient to show where they're going to cut. And so there's like universal agreement that it's the right thing. And so then I was like, you know, that's a really good idea. Like if a surgeon who is a very careful person typically is going to mark where they're going to cut, like I probably should too. And so then I was like, okay, markers should be in the list. So it was just fun thinking through like what, what makes, what makes the cut uh -huh. <laughs> and what doesn't. Um, uh, and then also like trying to think through like what felt critical versus not critical. Um, Cause some of the things like the aviation snips or the tin snips are a thing that I haven't had very long in my life, but as soon as I used them, I was like, Oh my gosh. Oh, like, tell me this. Yep. I had that same experience. So great. Yeah. You're just like, I can cut sheet metal just like with scissors. <laughs> like, like if I have had, if I had had these for years, this really would have really made me think about certain things very differently. And so that was really cool. Um, uh, multimeter just felt very relevant. Like if you're ever going to, do anything with electronics you really should like kind of be able to check like is there a voltage to it is it plugged in you know just like somewhat from a safety thing but also just like taking things apart and kind of figuring out how they work um the nibbler is my last one and i think the nibbler is probably the least used tool i have in this list um but it's so cool and it and it's so basic it's just like this little stapler kind of thing that you chomp up and down and it nibbles like an eighth inch kind of square path through a piece of sheet metal. Um, and is really cool and quite handy to have. And so I put that one on the list as kind of like the bonus item, but yeah, it was, it was really fun to do. I, I also wanted to try to tackle as you articulate here, like how do you lay out something to look how do you lay out a bunch of different items of different sizes and still th sort of make them feel cohesive, mm -hmm. you know, when they're <coughs> um, photographed? And so I used uh, Jen's uh, self-cutting mat as a kind of backdrop for the tool and then um, took a picture of the tool on the grid and they ended up looking pretty good. So they, I know that yeah. this wasn't your intent, but you called it a self-cutting mat and that, that <laughs> I found that very evocative. Oh, it's a self-healing <laughs> mat. Yeah. So emo. Self, self <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. 
<laughs> so the the next question yeah. I've got is, uh, have you then resolved all these tools as their own uh, in their own bag? That's I have them in what well, I have them in a well. Here's an admission of this is like the project I didn't do, which I was going to. I got really into the idea of I looked up dismantling a lot and was trying to figure out like kind of the political use of the word dismantle, mm-hmm. like dismantle the patriarchy or you yep. know, that sort of thing. And then I was like, um, I, I was like, for a while, one of the projects I didn't do, but I was thinking of doing for a couple of days and were kind of prototyping out was making some letters out of cardboard mm-hmm. using Amazon boxes. <laughs> um, so, 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 but right. So right now all of these tools <laughs> are in their own Amazon box. <laughs> uh-huh. But yeah, so that's as far as I've gotten as far as like holding them, like categorizing them in my uh, tool shed. It's one thing I'd encourage you to do because I, I don't know about you, but one thing I found really useful about the podcasting project in general is every single idea that we've had on here, I kind of return to later in terms yep. of fleshing it out. And that certainly applies here. But I feel like um, if you had a bag or a box or like a bug out bag or whatever that had all oh, these yeah. in there, uh-huh. yeah, and they were yeah. all located yeah. in the same thing, I could imagine that really inspiring some interesting next steps when it comes to this idea. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, and like like maybe it's like a bucket bag, like or like yeah, mm-hmm. some way to hold. Yeah, for sure. All the things that take things apart. I was curious if um, if you used to you know in the past if you had expressed as many things in the forms of little sort of zines or publications, or if that's kind of a new thing for you. It's a thing I've always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Like it's a thing that every time I've done something, I'm like I would like to make. I think the thing for me about zines, um is like here's an example so i went to a, a show that was um political art show uh-huh. which was funny because this came up for you in your in your thing about like how interesting can political art be uh-huh. you know because there's a lot of it that's not particularly interesting yep. um and i went to this show and there was easily 50 percent of the work that i was just like this is like so heavy handed and so weird, like, and just so there's a lot of telling and not a lot of asking, you know, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, it's like a lot of people's had with something to say, but not a lot of questions. Um, I'm not left with a lot of questions for myself or anything, but like the other half of the show was amazing. And I was just like, Oh my God. So I said, I have, I have photos that I've been meaning to send you actually from that show. Cause I thought you would like some of the work a lot. Excellent. Um, yeah, yeah. Some of them are really cool. Like there's this, piece by an artist who I can't remember, but I'll like kind of show notes that like her paintings are meant for you to take a picture of them with a flash. Uh-huh. And when you take a picture of them with a flash, like they become these super hyper detailed works cool. that really only exist in your phone. Yeah. They're like reflective inks and stuff. Uh-huh. So like there was a lot of really cool work. Um, but I was like, man, like you go to work. I mean, it's, it's maybe different for you somewhat, but maybe not like, it's just hard to describe the coolness of an art show to someone who doesn't go else to someone else who doesn't go see art, uh-huh. you know? Um, where if you're like, Oh, I went to go see star Wars. Everyone's like, yeah, cool. Or even if you went to any movie, it's like, yeah, cool. Or people just understand that experience. It's a baseline you know, understanding. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But with like visual art, it's very different. 
And so I always feel like a zine, like a take-home thing, is like a thing you could take to be like, hey, I, I saw this. And you show it to them, and they'll be like, oh my gosh, that's awesome. You know? Um, which just kind of frames the visual art ex- seeing experience mm-hmm. in a way that I really like. Um, so I've always wanted to do more zine output. Um, and I kind of like it because it is a thing that you can do in a couple weeks. I mean, some, some take longer if they're research-based or whatever, no doubt, but like, it's a thing that you can kind of do both to sort of kick off an idea and also sort of, um, keep the idea going even after the shows come down, you know, Mm -hmm. that the zine can exist or people can experience the zine. And a lot of that is from, you know, temporary services had a, a book based on their prisoners invention show that we've talked about in this podcast before, but and I always thought like that idea of the poster in the book really hit home for me in that show because it was such an amazing show, but to describe it was just kind of pointless. <laughs> like, um, where if you could show them the poster or the book, it made a ton of sense and was really interesting and easy to understand. Sure. And I always thought like that's important. And so I've been trying to, to somehow capture my thinking in, in, and it's a thing I like to do, like, you know, which is, is fun. Mm-hmm. So. It reminds me too. I was a. Uh, I just bought a poster for my mom of all the uh, birds in North America. I think it was oh, one of the wow. uh, one of the times when Facebook ads. I was grudgingly required to buy something on a Facebook ad. <laughs> but uh, it's a good one, though. It also strikes me cool. as something that would be an alternative um, format for some of the things that you're talking about because you're often listing stuff. And so to be able to show it all on the same page could also be interesting to consider for, fu- yeah. for future. Um, you know, I wanted to, <clears throat> there is a, there is a, a booklet format um, that Jen showed me one time. Imagine an eight and a half piece of a, eight and a half by 11 piece of paper, mm-hmm. you know, with a slit down the middle. And by down the middle, I mean like, you know how like a, the letter O like has a hole in the middle, but there's like equidistant, spacing around the whole thing mm-hmm. so imagine a piece of eight and a half by eleven paper with a slit down the middle but it doesn't go all the way to the top or all the way to the bottom mm-hmm. it's just like a let's say a centered like a buttonhole kind of exactly thank you a buttonhole that's mm-hmm. exactly what it is you can fold a piece of paper like that into a booklet where every it's an eight page booklet i think and every one of those pages is a front facing page Mm-hmm. so when you lay it out flat it's a poster cool but when you fold it up it's a zine yeah it's so cool i ever whenever i saw that i was just like oh my gosh everything i ever touch i want it to be this <laughs> because some of them are upside down or sort of turned cattywampus mm-hmm. you know 90 degrees or something but um i just thought like that was such a cool way to tr- have a poster also be a booklet you know sure so you could fold them up and mail them, but also you could unfold it and like put it on your wall or something. So that was, I kind of had a fantasy a little bit of doing it this way, but for time purposes, I ended up punting and just making it a, a half letter book. Well, did we do it? Yeah. Did we, did we meet the challenge we head did. on? Excellent. We did. Now we just have to come up with the next one. So what's it going to be? You got one in mind? I don't, I don't have one in mind. Let's see what we talked about. What are we talking yeah, about? Yeah, you said some stuff up top that I liked. Well, there's um, mm. certainly there's like the Make America Great Again hat. I thought. <laughs> oh God! I thought would be one to one to consider. 
<laughs> That's very paralyzing, but Indeed. we'll put it on the list for now. Indeed. <laughs> I thought you said something else too that was up there at the top, but I can't I can't recall. Mm. Hatrope.com. <laughs> uh mm. the uh let's see. Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. Well, I, I said one, man. Mm-hmm. Bring it back. We get we got to get this hack going all the way around the circle. Okay, okay. you did you did say one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Mega. Here's here's one. Uh, uh-huh. Putting things back together, uh-huh. which is a sort of response to the dismantle festo. Indeed. Which we haven't really done before, which is, you know, like, we haven't really had an episode that's sort of a conjoint episode to the episode before. So that was just one. Sure. I feel like we could do that if we could add one more element, because Dismantle was Dismantle Festo. Yes, right, right. Putting things back together. Festo. (laughs) 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 Yes. Certain, it doesn't quite have a ring yeah, to it. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, putting. Mm-hmm. How about Ursula Le Guin? Yeah. Yeah, dude. No, that's cool. Yeah. We've never really had one episode about a person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, cool. Yeah, what did she just pass at 88, Ursula Le Guin? She did. Badass yeah. female science fiction author. Uh, yeah, the left hand of darkness, the lathe of heaven, which is, I still feel like I don't understand completely. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, but who does? That's awesome. Yeah, cool. Word. All right. Yeah. So wow, it's so simple, really. <laughs> but like, so we're just we're just saying yeah. the name. No, uh, no other yeah, doodly dudes in there. I think that's it. Cool. Yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> doodly dudes. How do you pronounce your last name? Le Guin. I think it's Le Guin, yeah. 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 Cool. Well, there it is. That's awesome. All right, you nailed it. Um, you got that biz? You want to do the biz? Dang. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Do you have anything you're into? Oh, for me, it's really just this, uh, this El Cheapo um, drawing tablet, which I'm totally loving. Uh, yeah. And Do you feel like there's any... Have you ever used a Wacom tablet before? I haven't. Uh, I found one or two people... Yeah, com- I think there were a couple people that had bought one and were trying to tell themselves that there was a reason they spent more on it. But and It was like 68 bucks or something, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, super something. cheap. Yeah, that's really good. I, I have two podcasts that I'm into. Mm-hmm. One is a podcast in general and one is a single episode. <coughs> Excuse me, a single episode. Uh, the single episode is The Intercept, which is a podcast probably a few people listen to on the who listen to this. Um, uh, and they did a sort of special episode where they interviewed this person named David Harvey, who's a Marxist scholar. And that sounds immediately super boring. <laughs> but he was like really, really, really interesting to listen to. Very thoughtful, very with it not like a sort of self-absorbed academic person that you would think a Marxist scholar would be. And sorry, Annika, if you're listening, 
Yeah. Oh, I don't. <laughs> oh, do you know a Marxist scholar who's? Uh, She's the best. Who's? Oh, really? Oh, D- don't nice. worry, man. <laughs> I think you're. Oh. you're in the clear. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> and he just had some super thoughtful responses to so many things. I was shocked, and like one of the quotes that he said that I thought was just really interesting was. And some of them are just so flatly obvious. It's just like, duh. But he was like, he was like, this is his quote. He said, now alienated populations don't necessarily behave in a kind of way that would probably make sense to somebody like me. They don't go to the left, for example. They just kind of say, give me something that looks different, which I thought was just like a really great uh, summary of like a number of people, my parents included, who or my dad included, who just kind of wanted something different, Yep. you know, like, and I thought that like, he really nailed that one on the head and, and just did it, did it over and over and over again in this interview. So the interview, the, the episode's called the intercept interviews, Marxist scholar, David Harvey. And it just kind of rocked my world for how plain spoken this person was, but also how smart they were. Mm-hmm. And then the podcast that I like is, is called twip this week in parasitism. <laughs> that sounds uh, and it's three Paris specialists and parasites. I'm not sure. They're microbiologists. I'm not sure what they, parasitologists maybe is what they are. And I think they co-wrote, They all three of them I think wrote a book together that's sort of the tome, you know, uh, in its field. And um, every episode they have at least one case study that they dig into and people write in with their analysis. So they'll say like, um, I think they post the case studies on their website and then people reply. So here's like a case study example individual in 30s male presented to physician with stomach upset uncomfortable feeling in legs has motile objects in stools <laughs> Van- from vancouver british columbia was eating salmon yeah, sushi, dude. Yep. was either dried smoked or marinated not sure if this is relevant brought motile objects to physician <laughs> <laughs> yeah what wasn't and then people write in yeah oh go ahead sorry no no people write in please Oh yeah, people write in with who with what they think the analysis should be, you know, mm-hmm. and then they kind of tear it down to be like, yes, you got this part part right, but don't make this assumption. Like they kind of go in and like, uh, you know, they're supportive and nice, but like they kind of go in and like talk about the number of ways that you could mistakenly analyze someone or why doctors often misdiagnose, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and so it was, it's really interesting to hear that stuff. And especially about parasites, which are super gross and icky. That's all I got. Yeah, me too, um, dude. Bring bring it home. Yeah, I'll do the biz. Bring it home. <coughs> you can find photos of our finished projects at our project site called projects.opposablepodcast.com. We also have links and show notes, and we'll be posting projects and other related stuff to our Instagram account, which has been getting some good traction. So thanks for our Instagram followers for. Checking out that stuff. Um, and you can listen to our episodes directly at opposablepodcast.com. If you share a podcast episode on social media, rate us on iTunes, send us smoke signals, or do some other cool thing letting people know about the podcast, we will mail you an opposable thumb sticker. I just mailed out some stickers uh, Ooh, this week. Oh, you? also, Taylor, just just as a follow-up, just as a follow-up, mm-hmm. I mailed I mailed, well, I mailed, mailed one sticker I mailed to Kelly because she she was like on the podcast. She was like, hey, I want a sticker. Of course. So I put one in the mail to her. Yeah. Uh, uh, I will say, as a follow-up item, I did mail um, my package to uh, 
uh, its recipient from the last episode oh, yeah. with Kelly. Yeah. Yes, I did actually mail it, and I was very excited that I did. I almost, almost, almost mailed it to the wrong address. <laughs> like, I had to, like, run back into the UPS store and be like, no, 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 it's a different address. <laughs> but I uh, I got it right. And it's supposed to have shown up, I think it was supposed to show up on Tuesday or Wednesday of this week, and I haven't heard anything. So I'm hoping it did show Fingers up. Fingers crossed. I do have a tracking number. I guess I can look. Yeah, I can look. So we'll see. But anyway, yes, mailings have gone out. So uh, we're in good shape there. Um, oh, our logo was created uh, by the mighty Wolf Mask. You can check out his work at wolfmaskart.co.uk. If you're in need of a logo, t-shirt design, or other cool thing with lots of weird sloppy gunk and skeleton bones and stuff on it, <laughs> he is your person, and, and he slays it every time. We haven't talked about uh, it. Maybe we should that- have him on for like the one-year episode or something. Oh, we should. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, I got it. Which we're creeping up on pretty quickly. Like in two more episodes, I think. Was it 26? Something like that? 26, yeah. Mm-hmm. Demented. Oh, we'd like to give Nick Kantar and Adam Van Essen a shout-out as our top Patreon supporters. Uh, thank you, Nick and Adam. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you'd like to join them in the League of Patreon supporter badasses, please go to patreon.com slash films to sponsor us. We have three sponsorships tiers there you can check out. And anything you donate really helps. It goes straight to us. Straight to hosting the website yeah. <laughs> at this point, which is, is nice. So thanks for helping us out. Um, we have a code of conduct. Our podcast is dedicated to providing a harassment-free experience for everyone, regardless of race, gender, age, sexual orientation, disability, physical appearance, body size, knowledge of subject matter or religion or lack thereof. We actively support an inclusive environment, and we want you to be a part of it you can check out our full code of conduct over at our site. And I did get a nice uh, email from uh, an arts group here in Los Angeles who were looking uh, at sort of trying to articulate something similar to our code of conduct. And then they they had heard about it on the podcast uh, from Kelly. And so it was cool to talk to them. Oh, word. uh, Yeah. Get that going. Making a difference. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Um. Yeah. So, listeners, thank you for listening to Opposable Thumbs. We're psyched to have you on board, and we want to see what you're creating. Uh, please keep the comments and suggestions coming, and send us some photos and videos of what you're making. Taylor, do you have anything coming up? Do I have anything coming up? No. This is the great thing: is that I've I found this jam, and now I got to stick to it and make a giant ass uh, copper etching, which is. I find very intimidating nice. and also really exciting. I I do. Oh no, I do. Yeah, yeah. In March, I've got. I'm giving a talk about my um, silverware that I 3D modeled and printed, and oh, yeah. um, I will be serving Nutriloaf at Columbia College in Chicago. So I'll, I'll awesome. have to post that as it gets closer. That. Yeah, yeah. Let us know. That sounds yeah, great. For sure. I have a I have a small thing in a thing, which is cool. Mm-hmm. That I had I it slipped my mind up until just recently. Radius, which is a radio art group, mm-hmm. um, sort of headed, I think, by Jeff Kolar uh, in Chicago. Um, it's a super cool organization who does lots of cool stuff, and, and I have been, I've done some stuff with Radius in the past. And they have a really cool show up called Beacon that's in the Museum of Arts and Design in New York mm-hmm. uh, that runs through the end of February. And I was in a booklet... There's like a kind of interview or sort of just a couple pages of me talking about some stuff that I made. 
uh, with them, and it's in that show. So if you go to the Museum of Arts and Design in New York till the end of February, you will see um, a thing I made. So yeah, so excellent. It's cool. The, the show's really cool looking. Yeah, yeah, it's neat. Um, I just need to go to New York and see it, which seems very hard to do from Los Angeles, but maybe I'll figure it out. So our challenge is Ursula K. Lagoon. Lagoon. Exciting. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, because I've read some of her stuff, but not enough. So that'll be a good, a great reason to read some more. Can I kick it?